This is the Root Student Ministry Podcast, where our mission is for middle school and high school students to establish strong roots in their relationship with Jesus by connecting in the body of believers, growing in their knowledge and faith, and going to serve the community and the world. If you would like more information about us, check out our website at icrossroads.org roots, or you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at CSM Roots. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this message. Hey guys, welcome. My name is Tyler and I'm the next gen pastor here. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys are having a good week. And so we are spending one week in a message called I Have Questions. And you may have seen these little series pop up previously before here and there, but it's because we like to hit on these every once in a while to talk about questions that you may have about some hot topic, all right? So let me state this right out of the gate. Today, we're going to talk about money. And just to get you thinking about the subject, let me share a few other fun terms that people use as a nickname for it, all right? And you probably have heard some of them, all right? The first one is the Benjamins. And this is a reference to the $100 bill, which has Benjamin Franklin, his face right on it. And this also works with Lincoln's or Jackson's. Lincoln's are $5 bills, Jackson's are $20 bills. Uh, another name for money is moolah. Like, no clue what that means exactly, but people just call it, oh, you got the moolah. The next one is bacon. And if you tell someone to bring home the bacon, you're not telling them to bring some breakfast home for you from IHOP. You're telling them to show you the money. Uh, another one is cabbage, because it's green. I guess, like, since money is the color of cabbage, it kind of makes sense. Uh, the other one is bread, like bring home the bread or, or something like that. And this one, it's classic. And I need some bacon and bread with a side of cabbage, right? <laughs> uh, paper, bands, hundos, cheddar cheese, the list goes on and on and on. And there are a lot of names for money because people talk about it a lot. And if you're anything like me, just hearing the word money brings up all kinds of thoughts and questions. Like, is it bad to care about money? Is it wrong to want more money? Is it okay to talk about money in church? Or why is money so complicated? And it's totally okay to talk about it in church. And that's exactly what we're about to do today. So here's the thing. No matter who you are, there are a few things that are true for us when it comes to money. Number one, we all wish we had more. And number two, money can actually be frustrating. So let's talk about those points a little bit. So the first one is, is we all wish we had more. And you have some stuff that you'd love to get and do, right? There are clothes and shoes that you want. There are clothing stores and vacations and a whole number of events and places that you wanna go to. And more money equals better things. Maybe some of these things that are back here. And you want better things. Or maybe money isn't even a source of stress or tension in your family. And so whatever your situation is, we all feel some level of want because when it comes to money, we all have an appetite for more. And an appetite is never fully satisfied. We think that if we had a magic amount or gotten certain things, then we never need anything more again. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Eventually, there will always be something else that we want. The cycle doesn't end. You might be excited about your iPhone 8 when you first get it, but then it ends up 
the 10 comes out and then the 11 comes out and you're like, ah, I could get three cameras. And now the 12 is coming out and you're like, I just need that. The appetite never ends. And the second thing that is true for all of us is number two, money can be frustrating. Some of us feel trapped because we don't have a lot of it and we have no control over the amounts our family has. And some of us don't work and, and we don't get a say in how our parents spend their money or maybe we do work, but the money goes towards taking care of the family or saving up for college. Or maybe you have just enough, but never any extra to do things like travel or eat out when you really want. Maybe money causes tension or arguments in your family and you feel like if you had more, maybe the fighting would stop. Or maybe you think that if money weren't such a source of stress, you and your siblings wouldn't have to worry about some of the things that you do. And if we allow ourselves to be honest about how all of this makes us feel, we might say it makes us feel a lot of things, including angry. Angry at God for not providing what you feel like you need. Angry at your parents for making certain choices that have caused your family to have financial struggles that you do. Or maybe even angry if your parents have to spend all of their time making money and not much time actually hanging out with you. Or maybe angry at the world because you look around and it seems so unfair. Angry or judgmental towards others who seem to have more than enough but don't have to work as hard or just they just take it for granted. All of these things can create tension, which can make us think money is bad. But here's the truth. Just because, mo just because money is complicated doesn't make it bad. And in fact, because it's so complicated, it matters even more that we learn to see it and talk about it in a healthy way. So in case you thought that God doesn't care about money, consider this. The Bible mentions money more than 2,000 times, meaning that we aren't the first people to struggle with our thoughts and feelings about money. Money has been complicated as long as it has existed. It's a big deal. And so we're going to look at a verse today from a letter written by one of Jesus's followers named Paul. And it was written to a guy named Timothy, who was kind of like a son to Paul. So when Paul wrote to Timothy, it was as, so, as if someone was wiser who wanted what was best for Timothy. And this is what Paul writes. This is 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. I know it, it sounds like a lot, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. And the first thing this verse points out is that money isn't the problem. It's the love of money that causes the problem. And when Paul says the love of money, he's talking about an unhealthy obsession with money that's never satisfied. Like when your appetite for it begins to control you. It's on your mind all the time. It's all you can think about. And when it becomes that big of a voice in your life, it can lead you to make decisions that you might regret later. And to be clear, I'm not talking about when there's a legitimate reason for needing money. Like we all need money to meet our basic needs. Paul is talking about when all your needs are being taken care of and then some, and still these people's motive, whole motivation in life is 
hoarding and chasing money to the point where they're never satisfied. I once heard a story of, of someone asking rich people, hey, how much more money do you need to be fully satisfied? And they always say just a little bit more, no matter how, no matter how rich they are, they always say just a little bit more because they feel like the money will satisfy them. An obsession with or a love of money can become a problem because it can lead you to make compromises on things that you might otherwise have seen as wrong, all to satisfy your appetite for more. Things like greed or stealing or jealousy and lying, they can all be connected to a love of money. And when Paul says, pierced with many griefs, he's basically saying that these things will eventually come back and hurt you. There are consequences, either in your life or consequences in your character. And Paul says that loving money is at the root or the start of evil. And that may seem a little dramatic, like, whoa, Paul, but is it really evil to love the idea of getting like the latest iPhone or the AirPod Pros, even though you have just the regular AirPods? No, he's saying that if you find something evil in the world, there's a good chance that when you trace that evil thing all the way down to its root or cause, you'll find someone loving money or the power they feel from having money. I listen to a podcast, actually. Uh, it's all about sports. And when it comes to sports teams and making the best sports team, they, the podcast always says, where's the money? Follow the money because that's where everything is. It's people's love for money, the ownership of the organizations, the major league baseball teams, the, the football teams, it's all about the money. But the word that Paul uses, that the evil simply means things that aren't as they should be. A love for money can make us see things that are not okay as, oh, it's okay. For example, we can find ourselves basing people's worth as humans on how much money they have or how they don't have, how much they don't have. Or we might lie about how many hours that we work to get more money on our paycheck, or we make decisions at someone else's expense because it benefits us. None of that is okay, but a love of money can lead us to that. So what's the alternative to having an unhealthy love for money? And Jesus tells us, and Matthew wrote it down, and he records Jesus saying this in Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the first part of this verse makes one point. Every material thing on this earth will eventually be trash or it can be taken from you. It's a reminder to challenge what we value most. And the last part of this verse is key. The material things that take up your thoughts and your desires and time and energy, that's what is most important to you. And if an unhealthy obsession with money or the material things that you have or the material things that money gives you takes up that much space in your life, you're following something that will not quite satisfy you. An appetite for material things is an acquired taste. So when we're born, we didn't want anything but love, food, and sleep, right? 
And now like we want that love, food and sleep and the new iPhone and like a, a new laptop and whatever else is coming in your, in Amazon, through Amazon to your house. And it's just going to be delivered to your doorstep. And you're like, ah, I'm so excited to open it up. That and we want the most money and we want whatever outfit is going to get us noticed the most. We want these material possessions. And so go with me on this. What's the last thing that you bought that fully satisfied you? And how long were you good before you wanted something else? And that's the thing about any of this stuff here. When we don't have that thing, when it's just out of our reach, when it's just behind a closed door or a sealed box, it seems like that. It's, that's the one thing I need. And when I get that one thing I don't have, then I won't really want anything else ever again for now. <laughs> So we get that thing and then we're cool for a minute, but as long as there are other closed boxes, we will always want more. Our appetites for more continues to grow. But here's the thing, appetites can change, not overnight, but you see contentment, choosing not to be controlled by the extras of life. It takes practice and maturity. Contentment is an acquired taste. The more you look for contentment, you crave it and desire it. The better you get at noticing the difference between the temporary fulfillment for, uh, and you can see the difference of things that have eternal value. And you get better at making decisions about how to view money, not as a magic cure for all of your deepest human desires, like acceptance or love or purpose. You begin to see it as a tool to meet basic needs, to serve others, and to provide enjoyment. Not fulfillment, enjoyment in life. Fill your hands with material things and you'll realize it's a lot harder to serve when your fists are clutching things it's a lot harder to, to help other people when you're just holding on to your AirPods and you're like, no, this is, this is what it's all about. I want that thing because it'll make me feel better. It's a lot harder to worship when our hands are filled with things and it's a lot harder to give when we have a tight grip on our money or other things. At the end of the day, you have a choice. You can own money or money can own you. Again, just so we're clear, I'm not talking about those of us who need money for basic needs like food and a home or rent or whatever. Needing money is for those things and that is tremendously stressful and, and does not take a lot of, and, and it, it takes up a lot of space in our life as it should if we are struggling with that. Everyone deserves those things. But the truth is money might be able to give your family a stable home and food in the fridge, but it can't give your family happiness. And that's what we're talking about here. Feeding the craving for more and more money to buy ourselves happiness and satisfaction it just doesn't work. And we know this already, right? Because after we get a new pair of Jordans, we don't stop wanting shoes. Or maybe we love the iPhone 11 until the iPhone 12 comes out. And after we go on a trip with our friends and family, we start planning the next trip. And that isn't bad, but it reminds us that the happiness that we get from those things, it doesn't last. All we're doing is we're feeding an appetite. And the more that you feed an appetite, the more it increases and the less it satisfies, the satisfaction stays. 
think about the things in the past that you wanted as a kid. You told your parents that if you got it, you'd never ask for anything again. And today, we can barely remember those things because that's what an appetite does. It gets so strong that it makes you believe that feeding it is the only thing that matters until you feed it. And then in no time at all, you forget all about it because you've moved on to wanting something else. Instead, Jesus is telling us to focus our hearts on eternal things, things that matter and last. You can't measure, count, or see, or touch these things, but in the end, they make your life better. Things like love and compassion and kindness and honesty, selflessness and service. These are eternal things. These are things that become building blocks to make you into the kind of person that you want to be. And these things last. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't ever want anything again. And it doesn't mean that we need to feel guilty for wanting money to buy that new shirt. It just means that we need to understand the reason behind the want. Why do we want this thing? What do we think that it will do for us? Do we see this thing as being the answer to how we see ourselves or the way that we want the world to see us? When we understand that we're looking for money to give us something that Jesus has already given us, it changes how we view money. For example, maybe you want the new shoes to fit in, and that's okay, but just know that you already belong to Jesus. Material things, they can't take away or add worth to who you are. Or maybe you want that nicer car because you want everyone to think your family has it all. You have the great car. And again, you are just as important and loved and valued whether you have that car or whether you don't have that car. When we look to money to give us something it was never meant to give, we'll end up disappointed and stuck in an endless cycle of growing in appetite and shrinking happiness. Money is meant to be a resource for day-to-day -day life, not the source of our worth as a human being. Money simply cannot deliver what the eternal things of Jesus can, like the fact that you will never be alone if you have Jesus, that God loves you unconditionally because you belong to God, or that you were made with a purpose to help make the world better. In the end, money is a big deal. It matters. We need it to meet our basic needs. Having it makes so much of life easier to navigate. And wanting it isn't bad. But there are things that money can't do. It can't make us more or less of a person. It can't provide real friendship for community. And we can't give it more power than God intended for it to have. Instead, we must keep it in its proper perspective. And here's a simple way to remember it. You can own money or money can own you. So as you think through your attitude about money, take a look at your heart and ask these questions. Number one, what are you expecting money to do for you? What do you want from it? Are you hoping for happiness? To be more popular, to, to make your family get along or to make you stop worrying about the future? Or is what you're wanting a temporary thing or is it an eternal thing? 
Money may give you a boost in your reputation for a minute, but not forever. At the same time, if you're living in fear of your basic needs not being taken care of, there's nothing wrong with wanting and needing those things to be provided for. And money can do that, which is why the next question is also important to ask. Can money give you what you really want? Yes, money can do some things. It can supply basic needs, and that's extremely important. Money does matter, but it can't do everything. And when you understand what it can and can't do, you can keep an appetite for more of it and taking, from taking over your heart. So what change do you need to make in your attitude towards money? Maybe it's changing the way that you use the money that you have. Maybe it's addressing some of the anger that you feel around money. Maybe it's asking for help uh, getting the real needs of you and your family met. Maybe it's changing the way that you see people who have more or less than you. Imagine if we reached the end of our lives and looked back and realized our hearts were invested in eternal things, things that Jesus wanted for us instead of material things that money can buy. Imagine how much more fulfilled our lives would be. Think about how much better our lives would be. I really believe that our lives would be so much more fulfilled when we start to put money in the right perspective. So let me pray for you. Father, this is a big topic for us just to um, talk about money. And I know that whoever's watching, they could have differences of opinions and feelings towards money. And so God, I just pray that we don't look to money as this God that can satisfy us, that can make us happier, but we can look to you to bring us the ultimate fulfillment. And God, I, provide, I pray that you provide what we actually need in our lives. Help us so we don't have to go into debt. Help us so we can um, have food on our tables. But God, I just pray that we can have a healthy perspective of money so that money doesn't own us, but that we can own the money that we have. We love you, Jesus, and all the money that we have, we can just entrust to you because really it is all your money. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.